December 22nd, 2023. This morning's class is dedicated Le'ilui Nishmat Moshe ben Rahel Michael Fallis Alav HaShalom by Solomon Fallis. We're in Masechet Bavakama and Aftet Amud Aleph, two lines from the bottom, uh, four words before the end of the line. Says the Gemara, Amar Bizera, Amar Avhuna. The only connection, to the best of my knowledge, of this, these last few lines before the next Mishnah and the past Gemara is the fact that we're quoting it in the name of Rav Huna. It has nothing to do with damages, little to, well, nothing to do with anything we've addressed in the Masechet until now. Here's the statement, B'mitzvah ad shelish. <clears throat> when a person is spending money, determining how much money to spend on performance of a mitzvah, they use and spend up to a third. Says the Gemara, what's a third referring to? My shelish, a third of what? Says the Gemara, perhaps, ilema, if you'll say, shelish beto, perhaps it's a reference to a third of all of your possessions. In order to perform any given mitzvah, maybe a person needs to take out and spend up to a third of their possessions. Questions the Gemara, elame'ata, what about the following? If a person has coming his way three separate mitzvot, do you mean to tell me that he'd have to give up his entire household? He'd have to give up everything that he owns? Rashi, Shelish Beto, Shehayavadam Levazvez Bemitzvat, Lulav, Osisit. Rashi explains the Gemara quite simply. We're talking about spending a third of all of your possessions for performance of any of these mitzvot. It's interesting, it's telling that Rashi's examples are only mitzvot aseh. They're only positive mitzvot. Rashi's not referring to not violating Shabbat making certain that you eat kosher and not not kosher, and so forth. That's very telling. But the question of the Gemara remains, and it's a question that goes unanswered, and as a result, we deflect this suggestion. One more time. The Gemara... I'm, I'm making that duke for a moment. Give a second or two. Uh, says the Gemara, again, the Gemara has a statement in the name of Rav Huna. A person needs to spend up to a third of their possessions, as we understand it, for performance of the mitzvot. The Gemara knocks that out as impossible. Why impossible? Because do you mean to tell me that I therefore have to give up all of my possessions for the performance of three mitzvot if they came my way? Now, it's true the Gemara is well ahead of certainly me in terms of mathematics. When you took a third of your possession initially, and then another third of what remains, and then a third of what yet remains, you won't be left with zero, right? That's what Tosafot points out, this second Tosafot, ilu itarme le, that was the Lashon of the Gemara, if it comes his way, three separate mitzvot, afilu mayire isurayata derbi, that's the Lashon of the Gemara, the specifics not necessary for us right now, the idea being that once you took a portion and then another fraction, you're not ending up with zero if you continuously take the same fraction. It was well known to the rabbis that you didn't need to give up that much. So even if it means you are left with some money, the fact that you're left with little money after three mitzvot for argument's sake come your way, it's impossible that that's what the Torah expected us to do. 
Why is that impossible that that's what the Torah expected us to do? It's the mitzvot of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Maybe I need to give up everything. Even if he's taking all of your possessions, the pasuk, as we understand it, in Masechet Berachot, teaches us, you give up. Again, that pasuk and that description is in the context of if you're looking to or if you're forced to violate a mitzvah lo ta'aseh, for some reason, there's a distinction here in our Gemara between mitzvot aseh and mitzvot lo ta'aseh. We still haven't resolved, so what was Rav Huna talking about? But we've. He didn't tell us where he got it from. He just made a statement, almost like it's a logical statement of some sort. And you're 100% correct. A, what's his sourcing? And B, what I'm struggling with in the moment is, what's the logic? If it is logical, because he's not citing some sort of source for this, well, what is the logic? Yes, doctor. <clears throat> a maximum. Oh, certainly. In other words, he's just giving you a maximum. But the understanding is not, I mean, certainly the Gemara's understanding. The Gemara's understanding is, and that's what you're expected to give. In other words, you're expected to give ad, don't go beyond that. But in other words, what you're suggesting is it's, it's the max. He's not telling you an obligation, it's a max. Interestingly, the Gemara doesn't interpret it that way, because that's the Gemara deflecting. Up to is correct, but up to means what? It means I'm faced with the following situation. I give two options on, on how to define the word up to. Up to and I can give less, or up to if I can't perform this mitzvah without giving up to a third. Do I turn away from it? I say, I, I don't want to give a third. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, the Gemara's understanding of his words is up to, but that's what you need to give. If the mitzvah is here in front of you, that's correct. Okay, I think what Dr. Wabba was suggesting was that the words up to might be suggesting a maximum, not, so to speak, a, a what you need to do. In other words, up to, don't go beyond this. But it doesn't mean that that's per se. What, it's not the Gemara's understanding. Why would you distinguish between a mitzvah ta'aseh and a mitzvah lo ta'aseh? Rashba, in his commentary to our Gemara, first cites from Ra'avad. Ra'avad of Abraham bin David of Dampier. He cites from Ra'avad that the logic, first and foremost, of not going above a third with regards to spending on a mitzvah goes as follows. It says, Katava Ra'avad kedeh shelo yavo lideoni v'yapil atmol ha-sibur u'kmo sh'amru zal ase shabbat echa chol v'al tizterech l'beriot v'chen amru ha-mevazvez al-yevazvez yoter mechomesh sh'ha'oni k'mitah he says the logic and rationale over here is that if a person gives up so much of their possessions, they'll end up being mapil et sibur, becoming dependent upon others. That's not allowed. The Gemara elsewhere says that a poor person is hashuv kemet. It's almost considered as if he's dead. We know that the halacha is you don't give up your life in order to perform a mitzvah. And therefore says, most mitzvot, therefore says ra'avad, it's inappropriate for a person to make themselves dependent upon the sibur, upon the congregation to support them, which this would bring them to by spending so much money on the mitzvot. It's therefore, that's the logic built into the Torah. If we know, you do the mitzvot, but v'hai bahem, don't die in order to perform the mitzvot. And we therefore know that if you spend 
too much money, you'll end up being dependent upon others. Well, dependency upon others, says Ra'avad, quoting from the Gemara elsewhere, is hashuv kemet. Link that together, you don't spend that much money. What about mitzvot lo ta'aseh? Rashba draws the line over there. Says Rashba, but you should know, mikol makom, lo harav, and so forth. Shelo amar, ela b'mitzvot ta'aseh, b'sheval ta'aseh. Don't interpret it that literally, that when you're dependent upon others, you're literally considered as if you're dead, because, and he seems to be logically speaking, without spelling it out, because for mitzvot lo for prohibitions, make certain that you don't violate it, give up all your money to make certain that you don't. Where'd he come up with that? Rashba, much as Rashi, in Rashi, we were Medayek in Rashi, who was just bringing Mitzvot Aseh, is suggesting to us that as much as this statement is deflected in the Gemara, and we're told, you don't spend that much money on Mitzvot, but for Mitzvot Lot Aseh, to make certain that you prevent violation of one of the prohibitions of the Torah, spend every dime you own. Why? What's the difference? The suggestion of many of the Aharonim goes as follows. A Mitzvot Aseh is a possibility to heed the word of God. I don't perform the mitzvah ta'aseh. Am I violating the word of God? Not so much. It's sheval ta'aseh. Those were the words of Rashba. Mitzvah lo ta'aseh. By um, not giving that money, I'm effectively, by transgressing the prohibition, going against the word of God. For that, afilu kol mamono. It's for that reason as well, it's for that reason as well, says Judah, that we distinguish between punishments that mitzvot lot, one second, that mitzvot lot ta'aseh have a more severe punishment. Yes. Amazing. What, what, are you referring to the Gemara in a few lines from now? Oh. Eli, you're back in your groove. You're back in your groove. Baruch Hashem. So Jeffrey says, basically, uh, well, not conflicting. Not confl- what, one second. Not conflicting because we said a third and we deflected it. So what is, to state it differently, what is then, I'm, I'm going to ask it differently, I'm going to end up with you. The question in turn is, uh, before, before your comment, but I'll come to it, well, is there a maximum? Is there a certain amount that we're supposed to and are expected to spend for a performance of mitzvot? Because the Gemara, as I mentioned to you a moment ago, a few times, is going to go on to something else. It's going to redo that statement of Ravuna. He wasn't talking about money for mitzvot. He was talking about something else. Well, then how much money am I expected to give up for mitzvot? In Siman Tafresh Nunvav, in Ora Hayim, Bet Yosef, that's Rabbi Yosef Karo, cites from Rabbeinu Yeruham, who suggests, based on the halacha by tzedakah, that you give up to a tenth of your possession to perform it, so too for all mitzvot. That's my max, and that's what I'm expected to spend in order to perform any mitzvot aseh. Tosafot here at the top right-hand corner uh, brings other sources along these lines that it's clear that the hachamim's understanding of Torah is such that for mitzvot aseh, it's just impossible that you have to give everything up. Take a look at the top Tosafot, mashma. It seems from the Lashon of the Gemara in questioning and knocking down that initial statement of Rav Huna that you don't need to give up all your money for the mitzvah, for example, of Etrog. Even if you won't find for less, 
והוא מצווה עוברת, and it's a מצווה which you won't be able to perform in seven days from now or tomorrow, that's called a מצווה עוברת, it's a fleeting מצווה, nonetheless, if you're going to have to give up that much money, you don't do so. ואפילו שליש ביתו משמע דלא מחייב. The maskana, the conclusion over here, seems clear that you don't even spend a third of your possessions. And similarly, along the same lines, the Gemara says, with regards to Sedaqah Jafri in Masechet Ketubot, If you're very giving with your money for Sedaqah, don't go above a fifth. You're expected to give a tenth. Don't go above a fifth, says the Gemara. And now, Tosafot, without telling you exactly what they're referring to, they will allude to it, uh, questioning themselves, because the Gemara in Masechet Sukkah, Daf Mim Aleph, records how Rabban Gamliel spent a thousand zoos on his etrog. And as a result, Tosafot is wondering out loud, that sounds like an exorbitant amount. So much so that the Gemara says, why was that a necessary detail? It's in the midst of telling a story about how one rabbi shared his etrog and lulav with the other and the other with the other and how you can perform the mitzvah like that. And it says in there, by the way, he bought it for a thousand zoos. Says the Gemara, lehodi'acha kama mitzvot havivot alav. To show you how beloved mitzvot were to Rabban Gamliel. But wait a second. Why is he spending so much money on the mitzvah? Hashiv ributa. The Rabban Gamliel shekana etrog be'elif zuz. Tosafot is somewhat satum, they're somewhat cryptic, but their words are, it seems clear from the Gemara, ributa means it's a hidush, it's a novelty. The Gemara is surprised, so to speak, that Rabban Gamliel spends so much. He's an anomaly, he's an out-of-the-norm case. They don't really explain to us, why was it permitted? I mean, if we're saying it's a prohibited action to spend that much money on a mitzvah, so you have several options. Uh, what the, the general... Right. So the general approach, Ran, if I'm not mistaken, in Rabbeinu Nisim in Masechet Sukkah suggests that Rabban Gamliel was, an, we do know this, was an exceptionally wealthy individual. So we're still impressed by him spending a thousand zoos. Even a very wealthy individual in today's day and age who spends a thousand dollars on an etrog might be, might be just a, 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 a drop in the, in the sea for them. It's still a lot of money for a mitzvah. We'd still say, wow, that's very impressive. You really care about the mitzvah. But ultimately speaking, it's not a, a third of their possessions. Ultimately speaking, it's not that exorbitant in the scheme of things. Ultimately speaking, it won't make them, to use the words of, Ra, of Ra'avad, now dependent upon the congregation, which was the reasoning for why we drew a line over here. Right, that's what we have then in the Gemara, the principle of a person who's going to spend money on mitzvah, not more than a shlish, knock down. What is the measurement then? The best we have is Bet Yosef, Tafresh, Nun Vav, up to a tenth. That's what, but we have the statement here of Ravuna. We just said it's impossible that he meant you spend up to a third of your possessions on a mitzvah. Maybe on mitzvot lo ta'aseh, Rashi and, uh, and, uh, and, and Rashba, but, uh, but, but what did he mean? Says the Gemara, Ela, rather, Amar <coughs> Bizera, Rabbi Zera redoing the initial statement. Again, the initial statement was you're spending a third on mitzvot, add, add a third, up until bihidur mitzvah, ad shilish ba mitzvah. When you're dealing with what's called hidur mitzvah, beautifying a mitzvah, buying a more beautiful mitzvah, in that circumstance, we spend up to a third more 
than the amount of the mitzvah itself. What do we mean? Rashi, bihidun mitzvah at shilish ba mitzvah. She motze, if a person finds, shene sifre Torah. There's two scrolls of Torah. I want to buy a sefer Torah. I want to purchase it as a fulfillment of the mitzvah of writing a sefer Torah. And likrot, there's two to buy. Vehad hadun havero. One is more beautiful than the other. Yosif, how much do I, am I expected? In order to do hidur mitzvah, am I expected to spend more? Yosif, sheli shadamim hadur. You spend up to a third more, we'll define that in a moment in the Gemara, in order to buy the more beautiful Sefer Torah. Beyond a third, you're not expected to do. Up until a third, you are. Where did we come up with <clears throat> this concept of hidur mitzvah, of beautifying this? It's a beautiful concept, but it's almost as if it's an obligation. It's an expected amount that you're going to give. When we talked about mitzvot, we know the Torah commands in mitzvot. You're now telling me you should spend up to a third in order to beautify. Well, what's, what's beautification of mitzvah? Detanya, Rashi cites from the Gemara in Masechet Shabbat and Lamid Gimal. The Gemara there, ironically, uh, cites a pasuk from Shirat Hayam. Ze Eli Ve'anvehu. This is my God, and I'll, so to speak, beautify him. The Gemara, the rabbi's understanding in turn is, Be beautiful, be uh, over and above in terms of your performance of mitzvot. How so? And so the Rashi citing from the Gemara says it's an obligation, it's an expectancy of every member of Am Yisrael, not just to perform base level mitzvot, but to perform them with beauty. Where's it derived from? It's an asmachta from the Pasuk in the Torah, Ze'eli Vanveo. There is an interesting parenthetic point, but important to be made. Rashi citing from that Gemara has it differently than if you were to open Masechet Shabbat Af Koflamit Gimal. You open the Gemara over there, it leaves out that second to last example. Over there it says you should have a beautiful Sefer Torah and a beautiful Lulav and beautiful Sisit. It doesn't say a beautiful Talit. And each of us can understand why. The difference between the talit and the sisit is that talit is the object upon which I perform the mitzvah, right? The lulav is the hafzah shel mitzvah, is the object of the mitzvah. The sefer Torah is by writing it the mitzvah. The sisit is the mitzvah. The talit, talit's not a mitzvah. Talit is what I put the mitzvah onto. It's a fascinating statement of Rashi, which many pay a lot of attention to. Rashi seems to be extending something that we would probably all assume, but it's still a hidush. He extends hidur mitzvah as an obligation from just the narrow mitzvah performance to everything that's connected to it. For example, for example, my example, you're buying a Sefer Torah. The case is part of the Hidur Mitzvah. A beautiful case is part of the Hidur Mitzvah. You may have said, what do you mean? It's the parchment, it's the quill, it's the sofer. That's the Hidur Mitzvah. By Rashi adding in the word talet, which is not the Mitzvah per se, it's just the strands that are on it, the sisiot. Rashi is being mahadesh to us and making clear Hidur Mitzvah applies not only to the part of the Mitzvah itself, but also to its trappings, also to its connected and associated parts. And that's the Gemara 
according to Rashi. Tosafot happens to understand this Gemara a bit differently. Tosafot over here suggests that when we talk about the Hidur Mitzvah, Ad Shilish, excuse me, Tosafot earlier, Ad Shilish by Mitzvah, okay, we'll leave that first aside for now. All right, so that's what we have then in the Gemara. So the Gemara has adjusted the statement of Rav Hunav, Rabbi Zera, instead of a third for performance of Mitzvot, a third for the Hidur Mitzvah. Says the Gemara onward, how do I measure, how do I calculate a third? Ravashe had the following question, dilemma. Shalish milegav or shalish milibar? Do I take a third from inside or a third from outside? What does that mean? It means, Rashi gives the example, do I take a third based on the number, the price of the mitzvah? So you have two sifre Torah. One is worth numbers, don't get six. Now, in order to say that I need to beautify it a third more than a six, if I have the possibility to do so, do I take a third from within that six, which would be two, and as a result, my total number is eight, or do I take it from outside? Meaning, when my final number is made, it emerges that it was a third more, which would mean nine. I'm adding three, so that nine means that there are three, three, and three. The original number is two-thirds of that final one. What's the answer? Says the Gemara Teku. We don't know the answer. Okay. Uh, that's, well, we'll, try to, we'll try to do our best. You want to be Mekil. Okay. Says the Gemara Bima'arava in Eretz Yisrael, Amre Mishemedir Bizera. In Eretz Yisrael, they say in the name of Rabizera, a certain encouragement, a certain understanding of reward for performing the mitzvot. Ad Shelish Mishelo, Mikan Va'elach Mishel HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The first third, up to the third in terms of beautification of the mitzvah. Well, that's Mishelo, which means to say, says Rashi, that you'll be rewarded for the beautification of the mitzvah, for the money that you've spent in your afterlife. You don't per se see the dividends in this world. You don't see the payback in this world. You go beyond the third. Interestingly, there's a permissibility, according to this, to go beyond the third. Well, you'll be rewarded as well. And the words are, Mishel HaKadosh Baruch the understanding is, as Rashi and Tosafot explain it, that means you get rewarded in this world. It means you're ochel mi perotav kayem lo la'olam haba. Of course, you'll be rewarded here and there. Go ahead. On his fault, it doesn't. We knocked that down. We rejected such a nit. Oh, oh, you're saying this this punchline in the Gemara. Right, uh, it's a wonderful question. Firstly, Tosafot solves that, and that's why I was going to come to it at the very end, which I will right now. But uh, before that, first let me tell you Tosafot, and then we talk about Rashi. Tosafot has a different interpretation of this. In general, Tosafot, Ad Shilish Ba Mitzvah, if you take a look at Tosafot, it says, Perush, Shimatsa etro ke egoz, kemoshe shi'aru hachamim, vehad gadomi menu shalish yiknehu. Tosafot's understanding in the onset, in the initial statement of the Gemara, is, I don't know if they solve this, but Tosafot's understanding is that we're going up a third just in terms of size. It has nothing to do per se with the value of the mitzvah we're talking about in terms of size. But that doesn't, doesn't solve this question. The question of Judah is, how did we in turn solve the question we posed initially? What was our initial question? You have uh, a third that you need to spend on the mitzvah. Uh, so yeah, the question of the Gemara was, well, three mitzvot come your way, you're going to end up spending all your money. And we said, oh, therefore I can't mean that. Well, he do a mitzvah, 
let's imagine it like this. I have two Sifrei Torah in front of me. I say, okay, I'm going to do that one, even though it's a third one. Okay. Then they bring in another Sifrei Torah. You like, you do, he do, mitzvah. Fantastic. The Sofei says, look what I have over here. It brings you the next one. It's a third more. And then another one, it's a third more. And not the Vasov. You're understanding all your money on a Sifrei Torah in order to form Hidur because you just keep going up. So, good. Or alternatively say by all the other mitzvot. I think that that's less, that the Gemara, uh, in terms of your question, many mitzvot all at once, I know that the Gemara is specifically nervous that they're all going to come your way at once. That's what it had by mitzvah. Ilu at one point, how are you going to do it? I don't think we have that fear with regards to Hidur or in general, with regards to Hidur. You're dealing with this mitzvah now and that mitzvah later. But in terms of answering your question with regards to this, I think you, you have to say is, there's only an initial I don't think you go beyond that. Your question, right? In other words, you don't go a third and then you found an even more beautiful one, a third above, and then even more, you stop at the initial third. I believe that's the way you have to answer that. In terms of many mitzvot all at once, I think the assumption is you're not going to be dealing with that with regards to Hidur. You're going to be dealing with it with Etrog, uh, not exactly at the same time that you're dealing with a Sefer Torah, etc. I believe that's the way you'll have to answer that. Okay, I'll, I'll go in a different, I don't know the answer. I'll go in a different direction. Hidur is by definition going to be less expensive than the actual mitzvah. When we're talking about the actual mitzvah, it might be a lot more of your possession, a lot more money than the hidur, the beauty. How much more are you going up in terms of hidur? Isn't that what they're saying? Sure. That's what they're saying. Yes, so, absolutely. Why can't it be easier to give you like rights and rights to do yeah. more than the trial? You haven't given, you seem to, whether it's the or the stiffy rods, they're cheaper, they certainly are. What Judah's arguing or questioning is, you're going to walk yourself, though, into the same issue that the Gemara had with regards to the guidance on performance saying, of a mitzvah. It's not saying, look for a third one. I, I look at two etrogs. One's uh, $12,000, one's $15. Okay. Now, if it's $12,000, what I normally spend, don't spend $25. Uh-huh. As po- uh-huh. Interesting. So, yeah, you follow Jeffrey's answer. That's an interesting answer. Whereas performance of the mitzvah, I need to perform this mitzvah. So I'm going to go out, I'm going to have to spend whatever it costs. I'm going to be actively searching for the performance. That's why the Gemara says, you have to perform three mitzvot, three mitzvot, and you're going to have to go that high, you're going to lose all your money. Comes to Hidur Mitzvah, we're talking about not per se going out and searching for it, it's what's in front of me. How do I determine, like Rashi says, Rashi does it like that. Rashi says, Why does Rashi do that? So what Jeffrey's suggesting is, it's when it's in front of you, how do you determine what's an appropriate decision? But not per se that that's your obligation to go look for it, which it would be by mitzvot. And so, so it's, it's a clear answer as well. Money from God, and the First and foremost, to what extent are you borrowing? Uh, secondly, secondly, alternatively, as, as, as we've always, they have a statement, there's a well-known contradiction on this matter, which our Gemara is very clearly enforcing. Uh, you, you should have a Shabbat, which doesn't look so beautiful, and not be dependent upon others. 
Uh, so very clear. That's very clear. We have certain realities and circumstances where we where we uh, go. The Gemara in Masechet Ketubot says you can't go above a fifth of your possessions with regards to giving tzedakah. Right. Right. Uh, lastly, just uh, it should be noted, Benish Hai in his book Sheilot Tishbot Torah Lishma deals with the following uh, situation. He, qu- he, he, he questions and, 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 ha- and deals with what about in a situation where I have the mitzvah which I bought with my own money. Someone comes my way and gives me a mitzvah which is more mehudar. So I have my own etrog and lulav which I bought with my own money and then someone comes my way and gives me a beautiful one but it was given to me as a present. I didn't purchase it. He quotes from Zohar and understands that hidur mitzvah is very significant, important and beautiful as a performance if it's coming from your money. Not to say that you're not performing it with beauty otherwise, but he prefers and says that you should, the one that you bought with your own money, to the one that was given as a present. He doesn't say that you can't do it afterwards with the Hidur one. Beautiful, fantastic. But primarily, when we talk about the nature of Hidur Mitzvah, he seems to be citing from Zohar. The understanding of Hidur Mitzvah is, it came from me. It's not just that I'm doing a beautiful mitzvah, which is beautiful in and of itself, but it's that it came from me. Therefore, we prefer the mitzvah you bought to the mitzvah that you were given with, even though it's more mehudar. Right, let's begin this next Mishnah with a few moments that rem- remain. This next Mishnah continues us in talking about, well, those nizikim, the arba'a avot nizikim, which we started the, the, the masechet with, the four f- primary categories with regards to damages to another person's uh, property. It says the Mishnah, kol shehavti bishmirato hichsharti et nizko. The, Rashi interprets the word havti as nithayavti. Anything that I was obligated with, with regards to my safeguarding it, in other words, anything, any situation where I was obligated to watch over something, and obviously I didn't, hichsharti et nizko. Hikshati Rashi interprets in two ways. Either Hikshati means I therefore set up the damage. I was responsible for watching over my property, parentheses, and I didn't. I therefore prepared Zimanti, the Nezik, the damage which happened. That's why I'm responsible. Alternatively, Rashi says the word Hikshati is not Milashon Zimlizamen to prepare, but rather to fix up. To kosher it. Hikshati means if I was responsible to watch over this and didn't, I now need to be machshir what it did. I now need to fix it up by paying for it. Initial statement, of course you question, what's that adding? We're well aware of this. We'll deal with that in the Gemara. What about hikshati bimiksat nizko? What about if I, so to speak, prepared partial damage. In other words, through my negligence, there was a partial damage which could have and should have happened because of what I did, but havti I'm in turn obligated to pay for full damage. What type of case would that be dealing with? Well, the, Rashi already tells us, hang on tight for the Gemara. I've set up a situation where partial damage would happen, but I'm going to be responsible for full damage? What's that? Okay, next. Kol 
the Mishnah now is going to go on to cases where I am obligated for paying for the damage. Number one, in property that doesn't have me'ila. So the Mishnah says, in property which isn't hikdish. What's hikdish? Hikdish is something which is sanctified. Sanctified, you're not allowed to use it for your own benefit. That's called me'ila if you did so. When are you obligated to pay for damage, specifically and only when the damage was done to another individual's property, not to the Mikdash's property? Where was that derived from? Rashi tells us. We learned it earlier on Davhid, Davvav. What was the Darasha? Shore'ehu, your, your, your ox, gored the ox of your friend, the Mishnah will go on to explain there are several other cases that you need to be aware of these cases are where you're obligated, of course, any other case, you wouldn't be. Baruch Adonai Amen, amen.